Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kuninagel podcast series, Shipping Insights. I'm your host, Sarah Vollmer, Vice President of Global Sea Logistics Customer Engagement and Events at Kuninagel. You and I are about to embark on an exciting journey through the world of sea freight. I've been fortunate enough to have a front row seat to this industry's ups and downs over the past two decades. Now it's my pleasure to bring to you the latest developments, innovations, and solutions in this dynamic industry. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just curious about logistics, get ready for enlightening conversations and expert insights in our latest episode. Let's dive into the fascinating world of sea freight together and welcome our latest guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Kuninagel's Shipping Insights. I'm your host, Sarah Vollmer, and today, another new guest. With me today is Mark. Mark, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience, please? Sure. So my name is Mark Messager. I'm from Barcelona. I've been with Kununagel for 13 years now, and uh, I've always been working with uh, within the reefer team in Kununagel. Okay, reefer. What does that mean? <laughs> Honestly speaking, uh, you know, reefer means a lot of things, but... Uh, uh, it's more like uh, the little market behind the, the scenes. Uh, it's like the smallest member of the family because uh, indeed Reefer uh, represents a very small portion of the global Reefer supply, uh, sorry, for the global sea freight supply chain. Um, around 6% of the world's moves is, is actually Reefer. So it's very, very small. But I'd like to believe, and this is what captured me from the beginning, that we are uh, carrying vital and uh, valuable cargo for our customers and, and consumers. Because uh, especially in difficult times like we are having right now, um, most of what we ship is foodstuff, uh, pharmaceuticals, healthcare products, medical supplies, which are more than needed to destination. So actually, it's uh, a beautiful part of the logistics to be working in. Moving in reefer containers is quite a bit of foodstuffs, and in particular, fruits and vegetables, correct, Mark? Absolutely, yes. Okay, and then with that, is there a time of year that it's more popular, or let's say, is there a time of year that there's more of a season to move um, refrigerated fruits and vegetables, as an example? Okay, so... um... We have to look at the world as a whole um, and therefore um, when thinking of uh, fruit or vegetables production, um, we need to divide in two, which is Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere. Um, most of those two uh, hemispheres, they produce pretty much the same cargo with few exceptions, but they do it off season. So that means then in our summer, we produce a variety of fruits and products which in the southern hemisphere are not being produced, so we normally ship it to them. And the same happens when it's our winter and they ship all their uh, summer cargo, right? So um, that is with the exception of exotics, which might be bananas, mangoes, papayas, which are coming from equatorial areas all around the globe, and those are being produced and shipped uh, on a global basis every every month in the year with some peaks but slightly it's a flat production 
Okay. So as we're filming this, it's early February. What's what's happening right now? What is what is moving in reefer containers right now? So I've been living in Latin America for four years and I can tell you right now it's uh, the beginning of the chaos down there. So the southern hemisphere is booming with cargo, all sorts of uh, perishables, starting from the very southern countries like uh, South Africa or Chile, having stone fruits, uh, nectarines, peaches, uh, to grapes, uh, going a little bit north uh, with some uh, mangoes, bananas, uh, pineapples. So right now the preparation of the southern hemisphere it's, uh, has already started, in fact, but we would see the massive boom hitting our northern hemisphere markets, mainly United States, uh, Europe and Asia, in about three to four weeks. Okay, so that that is allowing us, right? We go to the grocery store, we go to the market, and that's how we see stone fruits in those of us that live in the northern hemisphere in March, as an example. All thanks to the reefer containers. Um, definitely. To producers, to reefing containers, to the people dedicated to the cold chain. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, I live in Spain, but we are here in Europe. So uh, North, uh, North Hemisphere consumers, uh, we like to believe that we produce all kinds of products through the year. So when you are having oranges uh, in August, uh, we'd like to believe that they come from very nearby our house, right? And in fact, it's just the opposite. So um, cool supply chain allows to bring products with quality, with extreme good quality from one side of the world to the other in very good condition so that consumers can enjoy products uh, in a timely manner throughout the year with few gaps and exceptions which the industry is trying to work through but at least that it's allowing us to have a whole variety of choice uh, anytime um, as, as we speak basically. Okay, so I think with that, we're all very um, blessed, so to say, that we can get a variety. We have access to a variety of fruits um, every month throughout the year, it feels like. Um, but with that, is there a downside to some of this? Is there the flip side of, of having that ability to have grapes or nectarines or oranges, as you said, right, any time throughout the year? Not for me, at least. I mean, um, I want to have the products available for whenever I'm, uh, um, I feel like I want them. So um, as long as uh, it's possible, I think we should work towards this direction. And I, I would like to mention one thing, and I think it's important, is that perhaps the industry needs to work towards a more friendly emission system so that we are actually... Um, covering that part but other than that I think it's perfectly possible and and if it is then uh, we deserve the right to have all kind of products at any time because whether we believe it or not if there's supply is because there's demand and those products are not left in the supermarket's shelf it's simply being consumed by uh, customers all over the world who are now tasting products which normally would not be uh, possible in that particular time and in that particular place. So I think reefer logistics in particular is helping to many, many areas in the world who are not having access to those products. I'm talking about apples, European or American apples into 
Indonesia's uh, Philippines, which those products many years ago were not possible to be consumed. If it's possible, I think it's our duty to to transport them. So are apples big in Indonesia and the Philippines? Absolutely. It's one of the biggest threats. Unfortunately, right now, with the challenges in the Suez Canal, not as easy as it was in the past. And certainly this is one of the topics affecting uh, our producers all around the world, not just in Europe, but uh, this is a, 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 world, a worldwide challenge. But it's actually one of the largest markets for our apples uh, from Italy, France, Germany, uh, going into Asia. Uh, Surabaya as a port and Indonesia as a market. To, to mention just one, right? Another would be Middle East consumers. They naturally cannot produce those products because they don't have uh, the soil, they don't have the, the, the possibilities with the weather. So they naturally need to import that. And that's only possible because of referral logistics. Right. Well, see, I just learned something new and I was just in Indonesia and I should have kept my eyes out more for some apples um, because I had no idea that that Asia was such a, a huge consumer of both the American and the European apples. See, now you know. And South American because in the off season, they also purchase from Brazil and from Chile. So, Mark, of course, you just referenced some disruption, right, that, that we're currently Living in, I think, you know, we've, we've had many conversations with many folks here on our podcast series talking about disruptions, whatever it might be. So how are or how is reefer logistics, how do you guys navigate in times of disruption? I mean, especially this a lot of times is refrigerated and perishable cargo. So what happens when all of a sudden, let's say a transit time takes two weeks longer than usual? Are you guys impacted? Is there a risk? Well, the first thing we do is cry, cry so hard. <laughs> and then we breathe deeply and we start working on contingency plans. And this is really about what we do constantly, because even if it does not sound dramatic to the main shipping world, but we're not talking about two weeks delay as a dramatic thing. Five days delay, it's also dramatic for us. And we should not only see that from a product quality point of view, but from a consumer point of view. So generally speaking, our customers, they need the product prior to the weekend. Why? Because consumers, they purchase during the weekend. So if at any certain time a vessel delays for two days and instead of calling on a Wednesday or on a Thursday, it calls on the Saturday, that weekend is lost and that cargo has problems to be evacuated because of its shelf life. So now it's a stink of two weeks delay. In fact, this morning I was doing some uh, calculation with some Apple producers, one of the biggest ones in France, uh, because they completely lost now the market into Indonesia, as we just mm. recently speak. Okay. Shipping from Mediterranean, call it Fossermer in France or Genoa, which are the two biggest ports to evacuate apples, to Surabaya used to take about less than 40 days average, depending on the car, depending on the service, but on average, less than 40 days. Today, we're lucky if we're reaching 52. Wow. Another big market for us was Middle East market, Emirates, Jebel Ali. Shipping from Mediterranean to Jebel Ali was extremely short. In fact, many North European countries, such as Poland or Germany, instead of evacuating by other North ports, they tracked it down to Mediterranean to evacuate by a Mediterranean port so that the transit time on average was way less than 15 days. 
Today, it's more than 42. So, obviously, this is affecting dramatically producers and the cargo. Apples are generally long-distance travelers, so they could resist. But if we are reducing that shelf life because the cargo needs to be more time on the sea, that means that consumers are enjoying less fresh products at destination. And other products are not as lucky. So if we think of, for instance, now that it's a, well, not now, but a few months ago was the khaki season or the pomegranates, those products, they cannot be shipped at those transit times. So those producers, they completely lost their market. So now we have to find new markets for them, new transit times, new logistics. So obviously it's a disaster for perishable cargo, what's going around. But it's not just the Suez Canal. We also have the Panama Canal issues with the low water levels, which is also impacting the bananas, the pineapples, the mangoes, the avocados. So um, even if it does not sound dramatic, five days delay because the vessel needs to wait, the Panama Canal, uh, just to, to have the appointment, it has a huge impact in the quality of the cargo and therefore also on the return of the producer. So we constantly are thinking on how to reach the market as fast as possible. And even if that means uh, transshipping cargo or unloading cargo in some port just to track it to somewhere else. And, and sometimes it's not about the cost, but about reaching the market first. Okay. I mean, I thank you for that explanation because I think that's also something that that everyone, we're all consumers that we need to be mindful of, um, especially when it comes to perishable cargo right now and going out and going shopping for your apples, as you said, who are a little bit more resilient, but um, but other fruits and and whatnot have are getting severely impacted by this and their producers. So definitely something I think all of us to be mindful and cognizant of. So I just want to pivot a little bit, Mark, um, but I know right now and, and when this podcast is being released, um, there's a major event happening in the fruit and perishable world. Will you tell me a little bit more about that? So um, Berlin Fruit Logistica is always taking place the first week of February. That has been the case for longer than I, have, than I have memory. In fact, this year is going to be my 13th uh, uh, fair assistant. So I have not lost any since I'm working in Kunenagel. And it's basically the major event worldwide for uh, fruits and vegetables. So basically all sorts of customers from all over the world, but also service providers are there in Berlin for three days, just trying to find not only customers for the cargo, but also service providers. And I think that's one of the beauties of that fair and it's called Berlin Fruit Logistica for a reason. And it's that in foodstuff and especially for perishables, fruit and vegetables, logistics is as important as having customers. Yep. And I think, you know, our conversation just a few minutes ago about the disruption and everything that's happening, I think those conversations are probably more important than ever right now, especially with providers that can offer some solutions like you had just mentioned of what are we going to do about the pomegranates? You know, how are we going to handle these things? Absolutely. And um, 
for me, Berlin is one of the uh, best events in the year, um, not only because it allows us to connect with other uh, Kunonagel um, colleagues, which is always uh, nice, but also because it allows us to connect more in depth with our customers. The ones which are directly dealing with us, but not only them, also the customers of our customers, because they are also impacted if something goes wrong. So at the end of the day, it's the whole supply chain sitting there for three days, sometimes shouting, sometimes crying, sometimes enjoying. There's a lot of passion that I can tell you. I've been there 13 years, so passion is everywhere in that fair. But at the end, it's about how do we resolve every single case that we have on the table just to make sure that we continue doing what we are doing. And believe it or not, sometimes it's very difficult, but we are absolutely uh, making it happen at the end of the day. Okay, I like that. So for all of our listeners, if you happen to be in Berlin, go check out Fruit Logistica and go look for Mark Messiger because he's going to sit down with you and talk to you a lot about disruption and solutions for mitigating that disruption in your perishable supply chain. So very exciting stuff. So Mark, I think as we're getting or as we're drawing to an end here, I love to always ask my guests kind of an advice question. So Mark, if I'm a producer of fruit or veg somewhere in the world, what would you like me to know right now? From your expert logistics opinion, what is there a key message? Is there a statement? Is there a piece of advice that you'd want to you'd give to me? Well, um, the best and most important thing is to get to know to your product, the one you are producing, but also the needs of your customers. Um, I have a very interesting story. I'm not saying the names, but I think it will enlighten a little bit what I'm referring to. I had a few years ago a customer from the Southern Hemisphere uh, in Argentina, precisely, who was producing lemons, beautiful lemons, absolutely gorgeous lemons. He was sending them to Japan and... uh, It was an interesting market. He was a pioneer in that particular market. Normally with perishables, you always always need permissions from governments, protocols. So he was a kind of pioneer. And for five years, he was exporting those lemons to Japan with a lot of love, with a lot of care. Um, And he was investing more and more on the taste of the lemon, on the sweetness of the lemon, until one day he went to visit his customer in Japan. And upon his return, he got a little bit disappointed because his lemons were put next to the fish in the supermarket. So he was just going in the wrong direction. Their customers, they wanted a beautiful shape from the outside, bright yellow, no skin imperfection, just making sure that there was no sounds of illness and the taste was not as important as it was for him. So get to know to your product, get to know to your customers, understand what the market needs, because this is the most important thing actually that uh, would bring you uh, business and success. So Mark, that's a great story. And thank you. And gosh, you just made me want lemonade. And I want to see one of these exquisite and beautiful lemons. So um, I thank you so much for coming on to our series today um, and talking 
a little bit about fruits and the perishable and how in the world they get from point A to point B and some of the challenges that can arise with that. So I thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule. My pleasure, Sarah. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Shipping Insights with Kuhn and Agel. I'm your host, Sarah Vollmer. Please stay tuned for another episode dropping your way soon. And hey, if you happen to be in Berlin, come check us out at Fruit Logistica. Till next time, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye.